0: Podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV shots and reviews. Galaric news opinions. Got the entertainment industry. Guy Dan Schmidt, your host. Get with me as a guy who is kind of sad to see the Star Wars Rebels team sort of part ways this week. My co-host.
1: Hey everybody, it's Nico and welcome to Across the Airways. On this week's episode, we continue our coverage of the spring 2016 TV season with our review of The Walking Dead, Castle, Star Wars Rebels, Michael's review of Supernatural and Sleepy Hollow, and our sitcom section including New Girl and Modern Family.
0: But before we get into all of that, we have our famous News with Nico section with some exciting news about a super sign. Walking Dead series finale. The announcement of a new companion that's going to be on Doctor Who. More stuff about Indiana Jones 5. Coach returning the new girl. Can reboot the show MacGyver is going to return. Sadika, why don't you share everybody news on all that stuff.
1: walking dead season finale gets supersized for the last few episodes of the walking dead the residents of alexandria have had the upper hand in their conflict with the saviors however their advantage may not last that long as the walking dead heads into its final two installments of the season now amc is geared up for an extra length season finale the walking dead will close out its season with a 90 minute episode just like last year's fifth season finale this season finale is likely to be the first time that tv fans get to see jeffrey dean morgan as negan the newest big bad on the walking dead now you shouldn't believe the saviors we are all negan mantra there's only one Negan, and he makes the governor look tame. There's also a very strong chance that at least one of our beloved characters will meet their end in the season finale. But given the way that The Walking Dead reshuffles characters and their fates, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same person who died in the comics, and I'm really hoping it's not. It certainly wasn't in the most recent episode. Anyway, you know it's going to be huge, and not just because it's now 90 minutes long. Peter Capaldi confirms new Doctor Who companion is cast. As far as we know, Capaldi will be the first modern Doctor to carry over to a new showrunner, something that's not happened since Tom Baker in the 1970s, and so it's only fitting that Peter Capaldi will be the one to talk about things, drop little hints, and generally be the ambassador for the show while it's on its year-long hiatus. Now, case in point, earlier this week, he expressed in an interview that the new companion to replace Jenna Coleman's exiting Clara Oswald has been cast, though he's not saying who it is, obviously. He said the new companion will be coming along any minute, but that it hasn't been made official, or at least not in the press. We still have no idea who the companion will ultimately be, but the money still seems to be on former East Enders Rocky Thakar. But given that Capaldi's name wasn't rumored until about a week before he was announced, I'd say whatever name surfaces in the next couple weeks will probably be the winner, unless they announce it like tomorrow or this week coming up. In which case, I'll probably say that it's probably still going to be Thakar or someone else. I, I really have no idea. <laughs> there have been a few articles you can search out on your own that list the top 5 or top 10 possibilities for the next companion, and I guess we'll find out sometime around Comic-Con. That's my guess. If I were a betting man, I'd say Comic-Con is probably when they announce it. Orphan Black is getting its own after show. The Clone Club is now going to get to meet for extra long this season. Season 4 of BBC America's hit sci-fi drama, Orphan Black, is poised to be its biggest yet, not least of which because it's moved from Saturday night to Thursday night, meaning it's bound to get better viewing figures as it should because it's casually one of the best shows on television. But now, not only will we be getting weekly primetime adventures with Sarah, Allison, Cosima, Helena, and a billion other clones played by Tatiana Maslany, but we'll also be getting to dish about it afterwards. BBC America has announced that beginning this season, Orphan Black will be followed by its very own after show, fittingly called After the Black, which will give a 30-minute in-depth conversation about the twisty-turny events that we have just seen unfold. So, from now on, the Clone Club extravaganza is going to be 90 minutes of pure goodness. After the Black will be hosted by A.J. Fry, Morgan Hoffman, and Teddy Wilson, Veterans of Inner Space, the news magazine program on Canada's Space Channel, which airs Orphan Black. The show will be exactly what you want. Lively discussion, interviews with Cast and crew, plot twists, hints, theories, and even special visits to the set. But most importantly, fans will get their first extended look at the following week's episode of Orphan Black. The first episode will air Thursday, April 14th at 1110 Central, following the premiere of Orphan Black Season 4. The special guests for After the Black's premiere will be Tatiana Maslany herself, and good old Art himself, Kevin Hanchard. I guess the most surprising thing about this is that Chris Hardwick is not hosting it. Indiana Jones 5 confirmed with Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg. It's official. Indiana Jones 5 has been officially confirmed and announced, with Harrison Ford set to star and Steven Spielberg set to return. The announcement has come directly from the now Disney-owned Lucasfilm, and a summer 2019 release date has been officially confirmed. It has also been confirmed that David Kep is on board Indiana Jones 5 to write the movie. Kep is a longtime Spielberg collaborator, having worked with the director on Jurassic Park, The Lost World, War of the Worlds, and yes, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is a little disconnected certain. No story details have been confirmed thus far. I'd expect this to be the swan song for the series, at least with Harrison Ford headlining it, but more news on this project as we hear it. Coach returning to New Girl for season ending on again off again New Girl co-star Damon Wayans Jr. is set to reprise this role as coach for two episodes, one of which will be the show's nuptial themed season 5 finale. Co-star Jake Johnson broke the news of Wayans comeback on Instagram on Wednesday declaring that the vibe on set is jacked. We had heard rumors of this months ago and it's still great to get confirmation that it is indeed actually happening. The happy endings alum started in the new girl pilot back in 2011 but his commitment to the aforementioned abc sitcom prevented him from continuing with the series when happy endings was axed wayans returned to the sitcom for a four episode arc eventually becoming a special guest star for the remainder of season three and in may of 2014 ahead of season four he was up to a full-fledged series regularly a one-year deal he eventually left the show again last spring at the conclusion of season four this is good stuff i'm glad coach is coming back for the wedding The Tick Reboot. Peter Serafinowicz to star in Amazon Pilot. A Shaun of the Dead star is helping Amazon bring the Tick back to life. Peter Serafinowicz, a British actor whose stateside TV resume includes roles on Archer, Running Wild, and Parks and Recreation, will play the titled crime fighter in the previous announced Amazon Pilot. Amazon's Tick Reboot is being written and executive produced by Ben Elin, creator of both the 1994 animated series and the 2001 Patrick Warburton-led Fox comedy. In this latest incarnation, the Tick suffers from a bout of amnesia before reuniting with sidekick Arthur, played by Vinyls Griffin Newman, and Val Valerie Curry from The Following has also joined the pilot as Arthur's sister, Dot. Freaks and Geeks in Cinematic HD on Blu-ray. There are a handful of TV shows that were pretty critically hailed during their time on air, but didn't get the love they maybe deserved and were thus canceled after a season or so. These are the kinds of shows that get a massive cult following and become the ones people get mad at you for not having seen. Firefly is one of those shows and is my favorite show of all time, but a sci-fi series is easy to bring new life to by way of comics and spin-off material. Undoubtedly, one of the best shows ever that would today, if it were on cable, run strong for probably a decade or more is Freaks and Geeks the bittersweet coming-of-age comedy from creator Paul Feige and executive producer Judd Apatow. This show only produced 18 episodes, but it's been lauded and beloved for 16 years since its unceremonious accent. The love for Freaks and Geeks has continued through the years, largely due to it being reissued on DVD every few years, first in 2004 and then again in 2008. Now Shout Factory is issuing it once again, this time in an all-new HD transfer, which is like seeing it completely fresh and new. This Blu-ray set collects all of the extras from the previous two DVD releases including 28 commentaries, hours of behind the scenes and deleted footage, the 2000 Paley Center panel, and all sorts of montages. The new feature is a 45 minute conversation between Apatow and Faj, conducted by Los Angeles Times critic Robert Lloyd. That will probably be a really wonderful conversation, especially considering the success the two men have had since Freaks and Geeks were just taken off the air. The big, big, big reason to pick this setup has nothing to do with the extras though, but the presentation itself. So what the Shout Factory team and company called Ill- Illuminate Hollywood did was to go back to the original film masters and transfer those to HD using a brand new 4K scan. And then, and this is the really insane bit, they basically painstakingly recreated every edit using a program called iConform, which matches existing footage to new footage creating a true 35mm 4K version of these 18 episodes. If you love this show like I do, it's a revelation to see it looking as good as any feature film. So now you can watch it how you remember it, still looking better than you've ever seen it, or as though it was a brand new show. It's pretty amazing, and Freaks and Geeks The Complete Series Blu-ray is available from Shout Factory now. MacGyver reboot X-Men Lucas Till snags title role in CBS pilot. Lucas Till best known for playing Havoc in the X-Men movies has been tapped to star in the network's upcoming MacGyver reboot pilot he'll play the titled agent you know the one with the knack for turning everyday objects into life-saving tools originally portrayed by Richard Dean Anderson from 1985 to 1992 in addition to his role in the newer X-Men franchise Till also starred opposite Miley Cyrus in 2009's Hannah Montana the movie and has appeared in shows like House, Medium, Blue Mountain State and others I don't think we need another MacGyver but this is an interesting casting and could make it work very well. Jeremy Renner wants a Hawkeye miniseries on Netflix. This week, Marvel fans are probably working their way through Daredevil Season 2, which introduced the Punisher and Elektra to the TV side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And while there hasn't been many crossovers between the film and TV divisions of Marvel, at least not yet, there is one Avenger who wants to play in the Netflix arena. Quote, I think that's actually a great model, said Renner. If there's ever a way to explore the character, maybe it's in that world. These are things that are not really in my control, but I'd be open to it. I've really enjoyed getting to explore the character more recently. The Netflix model is where all the character drama goes to now and you're doing a superhero movie or Netflix or HBO kind of model. So I'd be open to it. Not up to me though. One of the downsides of the split between the Marvel movies and Marvel television is that Renner's Hawkeye hasn't yet shared any scenes with Adriana Poliki's Bobby Mockingbird Morse, the woman who went on to become Hawkeye's partner and wife in Marvel's comic book universe. In Avengers Age of Ultron, Joss Whedon took his inspiration from the ultimate Marvel line and gave Hawkeye a wife and family outside of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers. That said, an adaptation of the very first Hawkeye miniseries with the First meeting of Hawkeye and Mockingbird could still be fun if Palicky wasn't tied to Marvel's Most Wanted. Alternatively, Matt Fraction and David Asia's Hawkeye series got a lot of mileage out of pairing Hawkeye with Kate Bishop, the young woman who shares his codename. That would also be a good basis for a Hawkeye Netflix miniseries if the project could ever happen. My guess is this series will not happen, but wouldn't it be awesome? I mean, Jeremy Renner sure thinks it would be, and so do I. And that's the news with Nico for this week.
0: Alright, so with that news out of the way, we're going to talk about the setup to that supersized Quoki Dead season finale. We talked about the walking up upset that probably asked the question, what happened to Carol? Get Contitled East.
1: Alexandria is alerted after realizing someone is missing. Several search parties will venture out, but what they find isn't what they're hoping for.
0: Alright, with characters like Daryl and Carol running off could not play with a full deck, get yeah, Rick bragging to show that the world is basically theirs. The characters on the show are almost asking for something bad to happen. Can you at the beginning of this episode give you that sense as well?
1: Oh, for sure. You know something bad's gonna happen once people start getting comfortable. They start thinking that nothing can hurt them. You know, it's just, it's a bad thing to do in this world to get overconfident or to start thinking that you know what this world's gonna throw at you because when you think you know everything, it's going to throw something you you never saw coming and that's exactly what Negan is and the saviors it's not what they expected it is not what they thought and Rick realized that mid episode when he and Morgan were talking and he said we didn't get them all and Morgan said or you know, he said it, it, it isn't over and Morgan said you guys started something
0: yeah exactly Could I think Glenn kind of alluded to the same thing as well But he was talking with the show right that it's a bigger world that they realize that they didn't realize everything that was going on but again it's just show. the show that the show gives you a feeling something bad's going to happen. Okay, going to Rick and Morgan Like you were talking about This episode really did a good job Of continuing the killer don't kill Debate between Morgan and Rick By pairing them together In a search for Carol Can okay, I've had a hard time Figuring out how this conflict Is going to be resolved But I think Morgan Was trying to say There are some instances Where killing might be The right choice But Rick needs to stop With the shooting first get asking questions later mentality he has right now Or it's going to come back To bite him in the ass Do you think This is the point Morgan was trying to make okay, does this create A happy medium For him and Rick When it comes to Dealing with the saviors Do you also think We'll eventually see Rick display the anxieties Chris and Carol suffers from because this episode when it comes to killing? Is that what Morgan was warning him about when he said it's eventually going to bring you down?
1: Yeah, I think he was talking both about the strain of killing people is eventually going to get to Rick. He knows that Rick is a good man and that eventually it's going to gnaw away at his soul. That was part of what he was saying. He was also saying that this shoot first, ask questions later is going to get them into situations that are not good. And that's exactly what happened with going after the Savior's if they had done their research if they had learned and done some recon on the saviors they would have realized that hitting that place was just going to kick up a a hornet's nest and it was not going to kill negan it wasn't going to get rid of the problem it was just going to make things worse and they would have probably held off and waited till they had the right moment i think that's kind of what morgan was saying as well is that if you shoot first and then figure things out later you might kill your ally and strengthen your enemy so that's that's exactly what i think it was I mean, there was a pretty good chance with that last guy at the end that he wasn't a savior. He could have been a hilltop guy that was out looking for his horse. He had been riding him and collecting supplies or something like that and got overrun by the, the walkers. I think that was Morgan's point.
0: Yeah, I agree with you most definitely. That's, that's a uh, very I mean, good point. And I think they've already got themselves into this mess by going into going the Saviors. Okay, I almost think well, Morgan's warning came too late by what we saw later on in the episode.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So I, I think he made a good point. And again, I know I'd say Morgan was too late because he warned them at the church. Can he have warned them before that even? Like at the beginning of the season before they even knew come the Saviors. Right. Good okay, movie for I really liked the point Morgan made about the cycle, where the decision he made to spare the wolf ended up saving Carl's life. But you could tell by the look on Rick's face that he realized the violent action of killing the saviors might lead to the negative outcome of losing someone important to him, which really scares me. That the big characters at the night. Although I'm glad Morgan took a necessary step in preventing Rick from losing everything, including the entire community of Alexandria. By telling him it's more important for him to be running the security of the community rather than focusing on just one person, because you think Morgan's talk of the cycle was foreshadowing rick being taught a hard lesson about striking at the same first can do you believe morgan may have spared the community some of the bloodshed that's set to come by telling rick to go back home
1: yeah so i definitely liked the way that morgan was thinking and the, and the way that he talked about the cycle and it coming around but there's a little bit of a, a flaw in his thinking if he hadn't saved the wolf if he hadn't kept him he never would have taken denise hostage denise would never have been in that situation and she probably would have been back at the infirmary when the walls came down so she would have been safe anyway so there's a little bit of a flaw in his thinking but he was right that that, that wolf did save her life did he Show that everyone can be saved, and I I mean, I like that idea, I like Morgan's concept, so I don't fault them, even though it's a little bit of circular reasoning there. That if he hadn't done it in the first place, she probably wouldn't have been in the the danger to have to be saved by the wolf in the the first place. But I do think the way he's been talking really is starting to scare me, and I thought Michonne, like you said, all of a sudden became. If not the prime target, one of the top two or three that looks like it could be, you know. Obviously, the people in the most danger right now are Michonne, Glenn, and Daryl. Daryl, yeah. And, you know. But that's
0: all of our characters we thought could be on the chopping block. I mean, we, we thought those were going to be the big candidates that were going to get killed.
1: Yeah, I mean, so they're really playing with us with that. And then, of course, you know, something's going on with Maggie, and that's going to cause some issues. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a bit going on, and it could be quite a few people who are in trouble. But, yeah, Michonne all of a sudden jumped to the top of my list with that little uh, pillow talk scene that she and Rick were having in the very I agree.
0: You know, I don't think... Maggie's gonna die I think she's gonna have a scare but I don't think she's gonna die and that's because it's too much of a retread of what happened with Rick's wife
1: see it's only a retread of her dying if it's the childbirth or the baby that kills her okay if see what I think is a possibility if she dies before well what's a possibility is she's gonna think or realize that they need to see the doctor at the hilltop and so she's gonna have to go to the hilltop or send somebody to get the doctor at the hilltop and that's gonna open up to the same capturing either the doctor or Maggie on her trip to the doctor.
0: So oh, it's... and then, then it's glad for Maggie the baby.
1: Yep, yep. So I think that's a big possibility. Could dies to the ah, crap. Yeah, so like, that's what I've been thinking the last 12 hours.
0: <laughs> so that they're going to do the, the Lucille story from the graphic novel, because he goes down so his, his wife and baby can live, basically.
1: I think they're going to set it up so it looks that way. I don't know if they're necessarily going to actually go through with it, but I think they're going to scare the hell out of us in doing that.
0: God, they're, they're going to get as close as even, like, him seeing Negan to the baseball bat.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't... they're even,
0: going to screw with us that bad.
1: I don't even know if, if it's going to necessarily be in next week's finale that we see that death, but I do think it could be the cliffhanger. We we don't know if the person that we think is going to die, whether it be Glenn, Michonne, is it Rosalie that's out there yeah, with Yeah, Rosalie Yeah, we... we have...
0: like, I'm not so concerned about that right. because she's such a mind character right I, I i mean
1: we didn't even s- i guess she
0: was tied up next yeah she was captured with them
1: yeah yeah oh that's right when while uh daryl was sneaking in that's right I, I i for a second there i thought we just didn't even see her
0: no she came in with
1: daryl yep yeah that's right so yeah i mean all four of them are in trouble it's gonna be yeah gonna be a pretty rough finale next week
0: okay yeah, i agree with you I th- we're gonna be screaming at the tv but i did want to say because speaking of the characters whose fate is kind of up in the air i mean nico what do you think happened to carol Guy think she's alive i think this is a character who's safer compared to the ones that are captured. Because I think that trail of blood Morgan continued following was the blood Carol got under her clothes after either shooting the guy, or maybe stabbing the guy who tried to stab her, himself and Cole's rage. So that makes me believe that maybe Carol and Morgan might be the saving grace in either protecting Alexandria from an oncoming attack, or they could potentially save the characters who were captured at the end of this episode. Can somehow either one of those actions could teach the people of Alexandria, can Rick as well, to adopt a majority of Morgan's philosophies about killing. But I do think they'll ultimately realize Conegan's got to go after whatever Katus thing he does at the end of next week's episode or get the season premiere or whatever. So Nico is this what you first see happening with Carol Morgan. Are these characters safer when it comes to dying compared to the others?
1: So, I almost feel like Carol coming in and saving the day is is too much like what happened with the Terminus. Terminus, Exactly. So, I don't know if I want to see that. I do think she's fine at the moment. I don't think she was hit in the battle. I think she killed... everybody. Yeah, killed everybody. And I think we saw the guy leave and go off after her. Yes. I think she realized her car was... It was done. That truck was going to take too much effort to clear and use. So, she went off in search of another option. And... That guy, the one survivor who shot through the shoulder, I think was stalking her and she realized it. So I think she was taking him away from Alexandria and taking him away from the scene in case anyone had come after her and she didn't want him to be there to create an ambush. So in that sense, she's keeping everyone safe. But she also doesn't want to have to kill the guy. So I think she's yes. leaving him in a circuitous route away from everything and hoping that he just dies of his injury or gives up and heads back to wherever he's going. The last thing I, I, I'm thinking is maybe this having to kill broke something in Carol or flipped that switch and she's now in full-on badass Carol mode where she has to ha- she has to take the fight to the saviors because she realized that there is no not killing these people. They are, right. they are so... Evil, and they're gonna keep coming. That there is no way of saving herself from it,
0: especially and, if they Daryl.
1: Yeah, and but the thing is, I, she won't know about that. But she's gonna be, or at least not right now, she won't know about that.
0: Or well, when she does, I think that'll be a factor.
1: But she's the the thing. I'm the point I'm trying to make is she's probably going to try to evade that guy to the point where he loses hope and decides I'm I have to go back. I have to go back to our stronghold to get medical attention, and she'll follow him, locate it, and then tell Rick so that they can mount and offensive and then she'll she'll want to be a part of that if she if she is indeed in that kill everything Carol mode
0: yeah, but I do think we're going to see her moving forward. Be someone that's like Morgan in a way of dealing with people or dealing with bad people.
1: I think she fully intended to be that way but I'm I'm a little hesitant to say that I think she is going to go that way. I think this encounter, it might have it might have broken her. It might have made it to the okay. point where she can't or she realized more like Rick that she can't be a pacifist. She can't allow people to live because they're just going to come and try and hurt you. But maybe that is only in the survivor or the, the saviors
0: saviors yeah
1: maybe it's just applies to them and everyone else she'll try and give the benefit of the doubt to but or
0: she'll ask the three questions too, or something
1: exactly but the saviors she's going to shoot first and hope she gets them all
0: yeah i think the idea is like they're going to try to identify someone as a savior first once they know they're a savior they're dead if they're not then, then they've got a chance to prove themselves by the way they answer the three questions in my opinion Right. Now, as soon as Daryl drove off on his motorcycle to go after Dwight, I was absolutely terrified he was going to become a dead man. Because this was a lot like Merle going off to go after the governor by himself, where he was just pissed off and he ended up getting killed by that. Good, really, I mean, these types of characters that are the hotheads, getting okay, the post-apocalyptic horror genre, Jerry's the character that gets taken out pretty quick because of that reason. But please, don't have it break down Michonne and Glenn at the same time. Since the screen blacked out, could Dwight shot Daryl? I think he just got shot through the shoulder to make it onto the next episode. But it's very possible he could have a sacrificial death in the next episode to save Alexandria from maybe a surprise attack or something Negan plans to do to them. Then again, Michonne and Glenn going in that position as well. Or they might just go through with the story we talked about earlier where he could just kill Glenn. Or they could just pull a like Game of Thrones, Grand Wedding, and just kill off all the characters currently on the chopping block. I mean, this show is not beyond doing something that horrific. I mean, the possibilities are this when it comes to the show. But I know for a fact the finale is going to end with us screaming at our TVs, Why'd you have to do that? Why'd you have to kill that character? No! god I'm hoping all that happens to Glenn because Maggie losing their baby. But we will see based on some thoughts that you shared with us earlier, Nico. So on that note, Nico, I mean, what do you think going to happen? Are there characters you see more likely to die compared to others? Or could we just leave? The wall. Would it hurt the show if they went in that direction of killing off Multiple characters who have been with us for a long period of time.
1: I think the maximum that we could lose and still feel like it was the same show is about two. Okay. I think if we lost Michonne and Glenn or we lost Daryl and Michonne or we lost Daryl and Glenn, I think we could probably still survive it and feel like it was still the same show. If we lost Glenn and Maggie, I think that could be, you know, just absolutely death blow. I think if we lost all four of the people that captured right now that could be a complete death blow i think there are definitely certain side main characters that could be involved that if we lost it would be like oh man i I really like that character but it wouldn't be a death blow to the show right i think the maximum main long time characters that we could lose is two without everyone just absolutely losing their shit and (laughs) and being, like, so frustrated with the show that they they rage quit it, you know? I just, yeah, I agree. I just don't think that that's, that's possible. Now, that last scene with Daryl, he he took it in the shoulder and he's injured and definitely not going to be a threat right away, and that was why Dwight shot him like that, but yeah. even Dwight said, you'll be okay. Right. So, I have no problems or, you know, feelings like he, he's dead right It was
0: the- shocking, but it wasn't good enough to say, oh god, he's dead.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I think, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be taken out of the fight for a while, because Right. I, I think it was left shoulder So he's still got his He's still got his dominant arm in the fight But it, it is a big It's a big injury to, to do But
0: he might not be able to fire
1: the crossbow Yeah so Doesn't
0: he have a big kickback?
1: Big, Yeah, big kickback He'll be able to fight with a single armed weapon So whether yeah. that's a gun or a knife, a knife Or yeah. both It, it, it definitely it limits him And I think it's going to
0: be Yeah,
1: it's going to be to the point where He probably can't raise his arm right. You know, above shoulder level If even that And it's definitely going to hamper him. I think it's going to make us much more concerned about him, you know, and wondering if he'll if he'll be the first one to see go. But I, I think because they shot him in this episode, he's probably safe, if that makes sense. It's like they already pulled that trick with him. So maybe it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Glenn or Michonne. Those are the primary ones in my mind at the moment. I, I thought right when they got taken that that was, that was where it was going. I didn't think Daryl and Rosalie were going to get involved in. Or they weren't gonna be able to to do anything and they'd have to just kind of follow them until they found their location. Much like what I was saying with Carol, they might have tailed the the group because they were too large and had them way outgunned when they saw Maggie and or I mean I'm sorry, Glenn and Michonne get taken. So I I thought maybe that was how we were gonna see Negan first was they were gonna follow them in the next episode, take them back to the Savior's camp, and that was where we were gonna see things. I, I don't I don't know. My other thought with the Maggie thing is that Negan could ambush any caravan that they take trying to get her to the hilltops or get the doctor back to Alexandria and that would be a smart move to have the saviors intercept any trade caravans going between the two groups and really you know make it so it was impossible for the two groups to work together yeah that that's a smart move tactically and i think that's exactly what Negan is is planning or what they're doing and if you look at the way that the saviors have been portrayed on this show, especially in that episode where we saw our group go in and take them out while they were sleeping, in the aftermath a lot of the radio chatter and everything like that was very military precise and they seemed to be military trained or or somebody had been training them like military to have more Was it Deacon
0: military though?
2: See that's gotta
1: remember back. that's what I don't remember about the character and I think I think they're making it that way at least on the show that he's former military and that's that's going to be interesting because he would have a tactical mind as well and, and know that the way well, to... that's
0: where that's where Abraham could be very useful. Yeah, I
1: absolutely agree. And so I think it's going to be fun to see some of those things set up for next season.
0: I think we're going to be seeing Abraham and Rick maybe kick on some butts. I think they was intentional having those 2 Get her react and be get Alexandria at the end of this episode
1: oh absolutely absolutely
0: so they're, they're, they're in good shape for that I'm, I'm not scared anything bad's gonna happen to the town or anything there I'm more scared about what's gonna happen to the characters who are outside of the town oh for sure so we're either gonna get Daryl blaming himself for a death that happens beyond what happened to Denise this week or we're gonna have maybe a darker Glenn good results of this situation that he's put himself in can I think Michelle will be the same regardless of what happens it's going to be more of a wake-up call for Rick than anything else. But I don't want that character to die because she's kind of awesome. Couldn't want any of them to die. Right. But I'm just going to have to come to terms with her. We're going to lose one of them. Unless a dumpster shows up.
1: <laughs> right, exactly.
0: Yeah, okay, we actually got a funny comment about that. Again, we did get a lot of listener feedback this week, which is totally understandable because, again, this episode aired on Easter, so I'm feeling a lot of our usual suspects who message us and send us stuff. We're busy, you know, spending time with family or watching the Notre Dame game. Does all last night. That didn't turn out so well for Nico. I'm sorry about that. Huh. But, but you know, it happens. At least we did lose a Quacky Dead character on top of it. That would have really sucked for you. So we're glad it didn't go that way. But uh, we're going to end this section with a good laugh with a funny observation about this episode. comes send us by a friend.
1: Yeah, Justin Navarro said, "I saw a dumpster behind Daryl. He'll crawl under it and be fine." Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. that goes right along with what I was saying. I, I, it, even Dwight said you'll be fine, so I'm not worried about Daryl from this episode. I think it sets up and almost keeps him safe for the finale if you think about it, because they they pulled that trick here with him. I, it, it doesn't make sense that they would do it again in the finale. Exactly. Although might do it just to say, "Ha, you thought he was safe."
0: <laughs> they are that cruel to us.
1: Yep, yep. They love they love toying with us, and that I mean that's half the reason why we love this show is because it's so good and so well done that you never. Know exactly what's
0: going to happen. Yeah, and in that regard, uh we got a big Rocky Dead section next week because we will be covering the super sized finale that we reported on in our news with Nico section this week. So when they normally do that big of an episode, we know some big, exciting, crazy stuffs going down. So get ready for that. I'm excited. It should be good stuff, and uh, hopefully our favorite, one of our favorite characters will still be alive. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But either way, we're going to be shocked. Because now we're going to dive right into an episode of Castle that was quite good. But it had the edge of my seat because I thought the writers were going to make another terrible mistake. But thankfully, probably, they didn't do that. So I think we had a positive review come this episode. So let's talk about the chasm. Come this episode for those sad mortem. Which means faithful. God to death.
1: The team head to NYPD Academy for an investigation involving a murdered recruit. Meanwhile, Castle grapples with a decision with far-reaching ramifications for himself and Beckett.
0: This episode of Castle was probably one of the best eccentric episodes in a long time because it went back to her days at the NYPD Academy and that was a great way to bring the character back to where we enjoy watching her exploits as a cop after losing her way through a majority of the season. Although I thought this episode was intense and sometimes even too overdramatic regarding Beckett working with the police recruits since there were barely any scenes with the usual well, Castle Riot and Espazino. Keep her to light up the mood. For this episode's drama, cracked the Borderline of being too much. But I would rather have rather had a lack of humor to the crap we had during the first half of the season. Because did you think this is a very solid character development episode for Beckett? But needed moments of humor to keep some of the scenes from feeling too cover dramatic? Yeah,
1: Dan, so I thought this episode was the best Kate Beckett episode we've had all season long. The focus of Beckett back when she was a cadet was a good way to write the ship or return the character to the great one we had in the first six or seven seasons of this series. And really has been missing much of this season. I thought the way they wrapped the episode helped to continue that aspect of the episode rather than return to the potential crap we were worried they might fall prey to returning to from the first half, but mirrored with Castle trying to keep Beckett safe. And that was one of our concerns last week, and I think it really got hype this week. But we'll talk about that in a moment in much more detail. But So for now, I'll leave that for Dana in a moment to bring back up and we'll discuss as I said in full detail. Rather, what I will say right now is that I actually was pretty, I, th- I thought this was actually a pretty decent character development episode, especially for Beckett. Would it have been even better with a little humor to help lighten some of the dramatic tension between Castle and Beckett within the mystery? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things we love about Castle is when they bring in that humor to sort of lighten the tension or cut the tension so that it can continue to build up again. But I just don't think there was enough screen time for that in this episode and thus to do everything they needed to within this episode something had to give and unfortunately this time it was the humor that we've come to normally expect. Ultimately i take this episode over most of the first half of this season so I can't really complain I, I was really happy right. with what we got out of this
0: episode I agree with that I wholeheartedly do I think this is way better than what we got I mean I missed the hero but again why they didn't do it a lot of the Beckett centric episodes are much more serious anyway this might have been a little too serious but at the same time I think we needed to solely focus on Beckett to make repairs to her character and I think this episode did that because we were quite furious with Beckett at the end of the season this really went back to the roots of why we love this character and why we addressed watching her, because I think if this show is on its way out, guy would really much so like for us to be in a good place with Beckett, get the end and angry with her, get back to what we enjoy about her. And so I think that episode this episode succeeded in that regard. Moving on to the mystery this week, I really thought they did a good job of sucking us into the case by explaining the killer they were hunting this week, got knowledge of police tactics. Cause as my mom said, the mystery was executed in a way where it kept going in the direction you were not expecting it to go. Since three out of the five murder suspects were pretty recognizable actors, because the guy that was the mob boss gave a great performance performance that not only made him a great red herring, but also left me thinking he would have made a great reoccurring villain on this show. Nico, did you think this is a solid mystery as well, even though it threw it continuously deviating away from what we were expecting? could it suspects?
1: Yeah, you know, this was one of those great times when Castle used the fact that multiple guest actors in this episode are faces you recognize from other shows to throw us all off the scent and keep the mystery alive until the very end. The fact that we first thought it was one of the fellow cadets, then the mob boss, then possibly the training sergeant, and finally it turned out to be the commandant of the Academy, was really good. This was really well done. And as for your question about the Lucky Jack character, yeah, I I think he would have been a good recurring villain, but I don't think he was big enough to be a season-long big bad. Rather, a continual pain in the precinct's ass, or someone they yeah. attempt to build a large case against, and each week's mysteries sort of build that case up. I think that's definitely a way that they could have done it, and maybe even done rather than a full season arc, maybe a multiple season arc where it keeps coming back to him. I I, I could see that as being a fun way, but only earlier. In the really. I agree. It's way too late in the game to do something like that with this character. I think we need to focus on finishing strong on the lockset story and call it a series at the end of the season just wrap it up really nice make it really exciting and a big mystery solved and everything and then send them off into the sunset with
0: a good and I agree I think that's what we need but it was fun to think about that with the the boss character to give that actor credit for a good job that he did in the episode oh for sure and, uh, and again if this was earlier on guy would say yeah do it go ahead ground doesn't work so well but I didn't want to make that observation because the guy did a good job no I think I would probably enjoy this episode much more the second Viewing. Again, I did watch it twice, but I think if I saw it again, I would like it much better. I would have not found it so over dramatic if I didn't have this fear in the back of my mind that we were going to get a reversal, the ridiculous breakup, between Council and Beckett that occurred during the first half of the season. But thanks to the wise words of the great new character, Haley, Council and Beckett decided to keep going after Locksley together. Now they just have to let Ryan and Esposito in on the case. After a fun episode, to give us relief from this episode's drama two weeks. This show would be pretty much back on track to have that solid ending where they go off on the sunset like you talked about. Nico, do you think that they've gotten the Lockset mystery to a place where it's working? Do you think they're setting up Kizr for her reveal to be a shocking surprise, like it being a character we thought was dead? Because course, very close to Beckett the Castle. Of course, Zikro still a possibility as Lockset.
1: Yeah, I do think that they have finally fixed the Lockset story and part of that is definitely by tying it back to Castle's missing time and amnesia. That arc, which now makes a whole lot more sense than it did originally. I'm also very happy with Castle and Beckett deciding that they need to tackle the Lockset mystery together and there was not a mirrored story in the second half where Castle was keeping something from Beckett and it was causing problems in their marriage that would have been awful it would have killed the series and would just absolutely killed my good memories of the Castle series it would have been brutal and just a plain bad now all we need is Ryan and Espo in on the case and everything will be firing on all cylinders as we head into the series finale or what I suspect should be the series finale I don't think they can make lots Vikram because he's been too helpful and he's had more than enough of a chance to sabotage the mission set up Beckett or even kill her that it doesn't Makes sense that he'd be the guy. The public defender character seems the most likely one, but that almost seems too obvious in itself. And that could turn out that he's only a lieutenant of the actual Lockset, and it will turn out that it's something, somebody completely new, or tie it back to somebody we weren't ever suspecting. I just don't know what they can do to try to top everything else they've done before. But for me, it would it would have been cool if it had tied back to the 3XK if they had killed him last season or one of the other big bads of the series, and maybe maybe that's still a possibility. Fox, that somehow relates back to Bracken still, but that too seems unlikely at this point. I just don't know what they're
0: going to do. Yeah, they may surprise us. I don't know. There's some things. There's some shady stuff. Grant Castle's stepmother we got that whole deal. So that has to do with that. I don't know. They could even pull something out kind of Beckett's past to do it too. Right. Because I mean, it could have been somebody who worked for her mom. Could be her mom. I don't know if that's too outrageous. Could she faked her death? I don't know. Uh, that might be too much. <laughs> uh, something, something that ties back to Captain Montgomery. I don't know if there's something there. I and mean, even could be that deep throat guy.
1: Right, right.
0: Because he reappeared this season, so there's there's that too. I don't know, but I'm i anxious to see. Because okay, the show's back to a point where I'm excited about this? But it is sad, definitely. It a kick go longer. Yeah, I agree. It can't pull a supernatural. I'm sorry. So they they need to the end. Nathan needs to get out while the it good. Okay, same with Sethanic, and they're gonna get jobs other places. So I'm not even worried about that. So I think almost all these actors will get jobs other places. So I'm not really worried about that that issue. And yeah, here we go. Hopefully we'll get a good wrap up and things are going the right way. And hopefully we'll be sitting here like, holy crap. We did see it coming that locked that with this person.
1: Yeah, that would be the best if they ended this series on a great mystery, a great reveal, and it just really knocked our socks off.
0: Yeah, and again, I think if they ended that strongly, I think if we go back and watch the series again, we'll have much more acceptance and appreciation to the Amnesia episodes. Get some of these early episodes. Could not so much during the breakout, but there's some things that we really left us scratching our head. We might have much more appreciation to the show if they can end it and fix it right. Yeah, I agree. All right, so with that, we're going to move into a show that's set up its season finale brilliantly in a almost reversal. On the Empire Strikes Back. Fashion, so I'm very excited to see where everything's going to lead for our favorite band of merry rebels. So let's talk about the Star Wars Rumble episode. And don't worry, it's not about droids. Could I read this title? The Mystery of Chopper Base. <laughs>
1: Kanan, Ezra, and Soka prepare to depart and unravel Vader's secret, while the rebels find a way to fend off the predatory creatures that
0: occupy the planet. When this episode started out, I was really wondering, what was eating away? Got Hera to make her so upset. At first I thought Kanan did something wrong, or she thought he was being too hard on Ezra. Got we were going to get an episode that taught us a valuable lesson about being a teacher, because yes, this is a kid show where they do that kind of thing. However, what was bothering Hera was much more heart-wrenching. Because we discovered she was sad, and very concerned about the ghost crew, or her family splitting up, so Ezra and Kanan could go after the Inquisitors, without endangering the Rebel Alliance. Can did you really fall for Hera? Confaced the reality that her family was going to split up? Was she right to have reservations about this decision?
1: Yeah, it makes sense that she would be concerned. While Ezra and Kanan are trying to put the best face on it, their new mission, seeking out the Inquisitors, is going to be dangerous. Much more dangerous than their already dangerous lives. To expect that everyone will make it back is too much to expect, and Hera is too smart to sugarcoat that, even if she doesn't want to express how scared and worried she really is. Because of that, she is, she was acting slightly out of character, something we could expect from her in this situation. But her comments about needing to learn to not rely on Kanan and Ezra betrayed her not agreeing with Kanan and Ezra's decision to leave and take the fight to the Inquisitors. She fully understands it and may even believe that it is the best tactical move, but she does not believe in it in the idea that she thinks emotionally it's the best thing for the team. She does not believe that splitting the team or family up is the right move. She believes they are stronger and better together and is probably correct. But Kaden also knows that every second he and Ezra remain with the Ghost Crew and the Rebel Alliance. They are putting the entire rebellion at risk, so he figures we need to go and get rid of the Inquisitors. And Hera might tactically agree with that, but she doesn't agree with it personally. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, I agree. I, again, this this is going a lot of get a lot of those themes that the Empire strikes back. In Return of the Jedi did. Where the Jedi feel like they need to separate themselves, can make themselves alone to defeat the evil. And I don't know if this show is going for that message. Good. Okay, I'll get into that in a little bit, but that's, that's my thought. And, um, I think Dave Guerra really has been the breakout character of this season. She's been the one I've enjoyed the most with just her emotional attachment t- to the group. Good. Okay, just what a great leader she is to them. Okay, i even though she's not force sensitive, she can emotionally pick up on things that might not necessarily rewrite her bust for the team. Because okay, I think we got a lot of that this, this episode. Because okay, That really makes her and Caden a great team because there's, it's force and intuition combined. And okay, I think you need a combination of that to survive as a unit in this galaxy. Guys, we discovered with the relationship between, you know, Rex and the Jedi during the Clone Wars series. So moving forward, the Rebels crew is indeed set up to provide ways for an extended string of episodes. I think this episode made a great effort to give them a great last hurrah of the team. With the pairing on the show that worked very well, like Ezra and Zeb, and Kanan and Hera getting to say goodbye to each other. It was also great the writers came up with a scenario regarding the spider creatures, the planet that required for every character to have a part to play, getting out of trouble, including Rex. Can I also say that I love how the writers of the show kept using great sci-fi movies cut TV shows like Aliens to tell exciting Star Wars stories making me up that they may give us a Star Wars twist cut movies like Cosmic the Fade, Predator or even Bella. Great episode episodes of Battlestar Galactica do you, you think this episode succeeded in giving the Ghost crew a solid last hurrah before parting ways for multiple episodes could you like how it's storyline similar to the movie Aliens made it happen
1: yeah Dan considering next week is a two part season finale this was indeed the last hurrah for the Ghost team for the season and depending on what happens with Ezra and Kanan when they go up against the Inquisitors and apparently find a secret Sith Temple, where Ezra is tempted by a Sith Holocron, and apparently either a Vision or the actual Dark Maul. Call. Maybe this might be the last time ever with the whole team intact. We also suspect that Ahsoka and Vader will face off in the finale as well, but I'll leave that until our last discussion point for this week. It was great that they gave us the things that we love about this series, like the fun pairings of Ezra and Zeb, and even more movement and insight into the Kanan and Hera relationship. The Hera and Kanan stuff was great, and showed just how much they mean to each other, and how scary Hera was of losing Kanan and Ezra. The spider monsters were a much better creature villain than some of the other ones we've seen this season, and did have a very monster movie feel, or even alien, as you suggested. Though I felt these bugs kind of reminded me more of Starship Troopers than those bugs than true alien.
0: That's a good call.
1: But anyway, yeah, great episode to serve as the de facto penultimate episode, with next week's being a two-part finale.
0: I love it. I mean, that Star Wars Starship Troopers reference is brilliant there. Clearly that's what they were going for. This was Star Wars' take on Starship Troopers. Because I love how this show is taking the sci-fi stories inspired by Star Wars, can apply it to Star Wars, can put their own Star Wars twist on it. That just makes it really fun. Yeah, I agree. Because you're not uh, only alluding back to you know previous movies or future movies or the cartoon, the other cartoon show, the Star Wars, writer, the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoon show. You're also referencing other sci-fi stuff. But it's fun to watch every week and see if you can pick up on all those things. And I'm also very excited. I didn't see the preview because I watched it on my Disney XD app on my Amazon Fire TV, so they don't show the preview to the next episode there but I'm excited to see Darth Maul return and I wonder if that's going to give us some clues about the Inquisitor's origins because we had led to believe that they were in the same race of Darth Maul. At least some of them yeah yeah the seventh sister especially Get yeah, it to explain some things that maybe happened to Ventress you know possibly especially if this is going to be a heavy Ahsoka story we you know she and Ventress had a connection so that, that could be thrown in too and maybe Kid could give us a clue about Supreme Leader Snoke gets believed that he is the same race as Darth Vault and the, the night sisters and that whole group so it's possible they may give us a kind clue or a little hint get kind of where Snoke and he came from and some of that stuff so That's that could be interesting as well
1: yeah you didn't actually miss it in the preview you missed the Sith holocron and Sith Temple, but the Darth Maul stuff was actually in an article that just mentioned that he was coming. I thought it was almost too spoilery to do as a News with Nico story because it, it gave yeah. way too much information away about the episode. So I just mentioned it here that he's going to show up and leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I think that's the best way to go and that's, that's all I know, but that, that could be intriguing for a lot of reasons and I do think this show is going to start dropping little hints or ideas about what could happen in future Star Wars movies. Much like they use Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the Marvel Netflix series to do that with the Marvel films in that capacity. Yep. So I think that's probably keep an eye out for it. Could it maybe get here? and Could they bring in Grand Admiral Thorn? Well, that, that could set up a lot of stuff too. Yeah, I'm super excited about
1: that next season.
0: Yeah, so no, we're going to be eager for that. Hopefully, they do a movie over the summer where he probably shows up for the first time. That would be fun. Because I think the only thing with this episode me, that was missing might have been a goodbye scene between Ezra and Sabine. But I don't think the show's ready to take Ezra's attraction towards her Yeah, just being a playful crush. Because it was probably more important to keep the focus on Kennedy and Hera, since they are the ones that have series feelings for each other. On that out. I know they don't argue as much, but do you feel like Kanan and Hera, Garland the Malcolm Reynolds and Nara gun this show? for the war. Personal issues. Gad or the responsibilities of being a Jedi will prevent them from being together like the characters I just mentioned from the show Firefly also do you think there should have been maybe a little goodbye scene between Gezra and Sabine or do you think that relationship that meant to go beyond a simple crush
1: I think a a simple small goodbye between them or something just I'm gonna miss you it was you know something of that nature would have been okay but I agree I don't think this was the right episode to have anything really between Ezra and Sabine discussed or shown but the Kanan and Hera stuff was more than enough and really good stuff I think much like Malo and Nara. Kanan loves Hera, but his mission, his Jedi code, and his duty to the team in Rebellion tell him he can never act on it. We know that they love each other, you could plainly see that in this episode, but they both know that to act on it would lead to bad things, and thus I feel they may never admit it, maybe even to themselves, that they're in love with the other one. That can be hugely frustrating to the fans, but in my opinion, tells a much better story and keeps that tension, that mystery going, and makes for much better storytelling, so I actually like them going that route, rather than actually building to a relationship.
0: Right, I like it too. I mean, it was fun on Firefly and it works brilliantly, can It kind of makes it more real, too. Get somewhat of a better love story than we've seen in other good instances of Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. That we've seen so far, but they may expand and improve upon that in future Star Wars movies. We don't know, but for right now, this is a really solid one and a really good thing and it, it fits both these characters and their moral code. And I think Hera is just as heroic as Caden and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the heroes creating the charge and I hope when this show is all said and done with that their legacy will always be implanted get a Star Wars universe and the effects of their mission and their sacrifice god their love will be shown get you'll think about it or think finally about it when you watch a new hope and subsequent films yeah uh, speaking of villains and subsequent films, aka Darth Vader, the theme for Darth Vader playing, Kurtisoka came and told Ezra, it's time to leave, give a very foreboding feeling that they are making a mistake with breaking away from the group to go after the Inquisitors. Gan Vader, almost, as if we're going to get a reversal, got the Empire Strikes Back. Where stay to protect their friends, gets the right choice in this instance. Get yeah, leaving, separating from the other rebels' group, is going on the path towards the dark side. It's almost like the rebels in this case, Kurtisoka came and Ezra, maybe in that regard, are stronger when they're together with their family. Unit rather than separate. Now, I'm not saying a character is going to go evil or something like that because the whole Rebels team is separated, but it is possible someone in either group could die or the Rebels suffer a crushing defeat because their Jedi allies weren't there. Nico, what's giving you a bad feeling about all of this?
1: As I mentioned before, we know that Ezra is probably going to be tempted by the dark side in the next week's finale when they discover an ancient Sith temple and a Sith holocron that either speaks to Ezra and shows him a vision of Dark Maul to tempt him, or he actually meets and faces the real Dark Maul. But my guess is that it's actually going to be a vision of memory from the holocron.
0: Yeah, because he's essentially dead.
1: Yeah, right. The reason that I think we heard heard the imperial march at the end of the episode was because this decision is going to lead them to a confrontation with vader and will ultimately lead to the death of ahsoka as she will have to face vader and be unable to defeat him and will as we've mentioned before have to sacrifice herself to save ezra and kanan and allow them to escape maybe i'm jumping the gun and this will just be the first confrontation with vader and ahsoka and they will all retreat to fight again but i do think eventually she will have to sacrifice herself to save ezra and kanan i think next week's finale is going to be really good but i'm not entirely sure we will like what we get if that makes any sense it, it'll, it's gonna be a bunch of the guts yeah it'll be awesome story and really cool stuff but i fear there could be a moment when ezra's temptation by the dark side gets really dark or he could even fall to the dark side but i hope not i hope that doesn't go that wrong like i, I said it's
0: gonna be like empire
1: i think it's gonna be really good story but maybe not what we want to see
0: it's gonna be that feeling that empire gives us at the end of the movie especially if you, when you see it for the first time i think right does, does that make sense what i'm saying oh yeah yeah
1: definitely and like i said good stuff great story but maybe not exactly what we want to see happen from a fan perspective i mean we're gonna love that it's such a good story and they're telling a really good giving us good plot and all that kind of stuff but as fans of the character we would be like no don't do that
0: but <laughs> well, it's gonna make us want to watch more oh for sure for sure we're gonna just be like oh the heck this gonna work out god i think it's gonna be good and yeah, there's just this feeling that they're rushing to confronting vader can we all know how that goes That's good. So with us having a bad feeling about this, we're going to bring Michael in to maybe hopefully make us feel better or not so for With his review on a fun episode of Supernatural that brought back two supporting characters we really enjoy, get his thoughts on more episodes of Sleepy Hollow.
3: Hey guys, Michael J. Petty here to talk to you about this week's episode of Supernatural, Season 11, Episode 16, entitled Safe House. In this episode, we see the return of Bobby and Rufus, two of our absolute favorite characters on Supernatural, Bobby especially. But we don't see them return in the present sense as much as we do in the past tense. And what I mean by that is, is as Sam and Dean go and investigate a haunted house, they find out that it's the same case, Bobby and Rufus fought well i guess uncovered during season four of supernatural around the time the boys were looking for Lilith. this episode is really good i i thought it was fantastic i thought the horror elements of the episode were very well done especially with the soul eater who was particularly creepy it reminded me of the shatigra from season one which tried to eat sam's soul and then came back later to eat the uh, son of the motel woman's So it reminded me a lot of that, which they didn't reference in this episode, so that was kind of a bummer, but it was really cool, the whole concept of the episode, especially when Dean ends up going into the nest of the Soul Eater. And when he does, at the end of that fight between him and the Soul Eater, when him and Sam finally do kill the thing, he sees Bobby's soul there as well. Now, this isn't Bobby in the sense that we know him now because we know that he's currently in heaven. However, this, because the lair for the Soul Eater is actually outside of space and time, Dean was in there at the exact same time Bobby was in there about well not 10 years ago but about six or seven years ago very cool way to do this episode it was really exciting I didn't realize how much I missed Rufus and Bobby's banter Um, if I go back now and watch Weekend at Bobby's I'll be really happy because they are fantastic together and they are great hunting partners and quite frankly if they had both come back to life that would make me a very happy camper but seeing as how that's probably not going to happen I really do hope we get to see another Bobby Rufus episode at some point in the future future. Um, obviously, it would probably take place in the past. However, Sam and Dean's, Dean's storyline in this episode was pretty good as well. The, it really felt a lot like classic Supernatural, first two or three seasons, where they were just there to hunt a case. And it didn't really tie into anything that was going on uh, overall plot-wise. They didn't really talk about Lucifer or Cass or even Amara that much. I mean, they talked about him, but they didn't do anything about it, which was actually really okay. Again, it felt like the first two or three seasons of the show, which is something that I really enjoyed and probably helped make this episode for me. Overall, this episode was great. I want to see more like this for sure, but I'm also excited to see what's going to happen with the Amara Darkness and Cast Loose for plot lines. <laughs> Hey guys, Michael back again to talk to you about this week's episode of Sleepy Hollow with season 3 episode 16 entitled Dawn's Early Light. On this episode, we see a lot of really cool stuff. We see a tar monster that comes to life and shoots fireballs that looks like a zombie like the Kindred did. We see the origin of the Star Spangled Banner, believe it or not. We see the origin of the flag. We hear about what the actual mission about crossing the Delaware was intended for in the first place. And actually, Reynolds gets invited to be a part of the team, essentially. we he finds out that monsters and demons and ghosts and all this stuff is real. There is a lot in this week's episode of Sleepy Hollow that was really good. What I really did like as well was Pandora's betrayal to the Hidden One. Uh, She's not taking his crap anymore, and I don't blame her after the opening scene of the episode where she's basically, basically getting tortured to death and now she's out for the count so I'm assuming she'll end up teaming up with our witnesses this season before the season finale and will potentially be killed by the hidden one but we will see there isn't really a whole lot to say about this episode it was really a straightforward episode and really just a lot of fun and really good and really helped advance the plot now that we know that in order to defeat the hidden one we need to reassemble Pandora's box and in order to do that we need the catacombs so that's where we need to go back to so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, once we get there I am i almost half expecting to see Betsy Ross, quite frankly, after her kind of ambiguous exit in this episode from the flashbacks, but we will see how that goes. The introduction, well, not the introduction, but the continuation of the Ezra Miller or Mills, I'm sorry, Ezra Mills. I'm sorry, my brain is on Batman versus Superman right now. The Ezra Mills story with his daughters is also really good. I like that a lot. I like that he's really trying to be a part of Abby and Jenny's lives and how he's willing to basically take it one step at a time day by day. And it's not easy and it's not going to be easy, but he's more than willing to do it. This week's episode was really action-packed, too. There's a lot of really cool fight scenes with our Creature of the Week, especially when he, you know, would throw fire at our heroes. And Crane dueling him once or twice was actually pretty exciting as well. All in all, this week's episode definitely helps move forward the plot. With only two episodes left of this season of Sleepy Hollow, I'm really hoping that we get a lot out of the next two episodes so that they don't leave us hanging on some sort of cliffhanger in the event that the show does get canceled again. I pray it does not. Anyway, guys, really enjoyed Sleepy Hollow this week. See you next week.
0: All right. All right, thanks, Michael, for stopping by to join us and helping us out with those two reviews for the shows of the horror genre. Now we're going to get a little more curious around here because we dive into a sitcom section talking about a hilarious episode of New Call entitled D-Day.
2: Hey, girl, whatcha doing?
1: Jess agrees to lend Schmidt a hand when he takes over wedding planning after CeCe gets an exciting job offer. But things take a bad turn when Schmidt's dad shows up. Meanwhile, Winston and Nick compete to determine who has the harder job.
0: My favorite comedic moment for this week's New Girl could it have to be Nick and Winston's awkward discussion about whose job had the bigger balls. Guy also completely lost his good laughter when Schmidt screamed after figuring out Jess made out with his dad. Got the guy's reaction to it later on the episode also gave me a huge laugh. In addition, I wish we got a cutaway to a chubby Schmidt starring in the school play version of Uncle Buck. Yes. Because It's one of my favorite Gari movies. So you get acted out on one of my favorite current accounts could have been pretty funny, especially the Cambridge Schmidt. Tanika, so what were your thoughts on this week's episode? My favorite
1: comedic moments were also the fact that Jess made out with Schmidt's dad and liked it, maybe a little bit, and definitely Schmidt's scream reaction was priceless, along with Nick and Winston's reaction later that you mentioned when they found out. That was great. Just the whole situation was classic New Girl perfection. Yes. Also, Cece just casually telling Jess that she may need to wrestle a rectal nutrient into Schmidt, and Nick saying he'd done it once, yeah. not proud of it, but he did it, but won't do it again. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was Hilarious thing.
1: I love that Jess put Schmitz to sleep by singing Christina Aguilera and pointing the camera at the water feature. <laughs> I also love Nick's comment about how they should make a TV show about what cops do.
0: Guess, yes, yes which is a really funny nod to the Fox stuff off that yeah yeah for sure Good also the idea that he was a elected cops that also made it funny too right
1: right exactly
0: which I thought they were going to get more of a mention to the episode that they did but they didn't but it's still, instead, I was very happy with this. this is new girl the way we want to see it with no Megan Fox and just fun yep get up uh, the actor they got to Schmidt's dad great choice by the way too another solid guest star
1: yep exactly uh pretty much everything but Megan Fox this year on the guest stars was rock solid
0: I think out of the entire show everything but Megan Fox has working. That <laughs> that's true. All right, so let's dive into the Modern Family episode. They really had some funny stuff from Phil,
1: at least that's what I thought. Entitled Express Yourself. Phil and Claire take an impulsive trip to Paris, even though they're both suffering from extreme fatigue. Meanwhile, Mitchell tries to maintain his sanity during a visit from Cameron's sister, whose husband just left her. Jay's bathroom renovation doesn't make life any easier for Gloria, Manny, and Joe, and Haley and Andy go on a bender.
0: My favorite comedic moments from this week's Modern Family where Haley making the comment that Andy, your hair doesn't move. It makes you kind of like a Lego. And Claire constantly scaring Phil with a monster mask to keep him awake so he can enjoy their trip to Paris. Also, I kind of felt this episode just sort of set up like a two-parter, because it left open for us to see Phil and... Claire in Paris that week. And it's not really being shown that the chaos Corey and Manny created with Jane's bathroom project called out. No. But after reading the synopsis for this week forgetting getting the one for this episode I guess that's not going to be the case. And that's fine. I enjoyed this episode anyway. Sonika, what were your thoughts on this episode?
1: Dan my favorite running gag in the episode is all the time Spill tried to allude to Paris with things like the Emerald City C'est la vie the Eternal City and Alex kept correcting him. And at the end he's like au revoir Alex next stop Paradise Cities and she yells nope guns and roses. <laughs> so it was it's just a fun little gag that ran throughout the episode that really made me smile.
0: Good. good now we can pull that stuff off out of the time roll.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He is great at those little offhanded sort of side comments that just the way he delivers them is, is perfect.
0: Yes. It's just a lot of fun. It, it makes you want to be full of these friends.
1: Yeah. I just wish that Luke had been involved in this episode in some way.
0: I've I, Keeping them awake. Yeah. He came up with some crazy idea or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it would have been fun if Luke was involved in the keeping them up in, rather than Alex. And I don't know. It's just episodes
0: where even Luke could have them both there.
1: Yeah, episodes where Luke doesn't show up are my are episodes that I I, I usually don't find the funniest, and I think this one's go, goes along with that. This wasn't a bad episode. I just I missed Luke in, in the episode. Gambit yeah, held hovers the floats. So that's a good
0: thing. Yep. All right. So with that, we're gonna dive into our closing. And listen carefully because we're gonna announce some changes to the schedule that's coming. I think we have a full slate next week, but we are getting into some season finales. Some shows and some others coming back. So Nicole set you straight on everything. I guess we dive into our closing.
1: Yeah, on our next week's episode, Dan and I will continue our reviews with the season finale of Walking Dead, a two-part season finale of Star Wars Rebels, along with Michael's review of Supernatural and Sleepy Hollow, and our sitcom section, including New Girl and the Big Bang Theory. Also, DC Nation will continue with Gotham, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and DC Legends Returns, so make sure to join us for DC Nation podcast as well. Also, be sure to keep an eye out for Dan, Nikki, and Joshua doing the Marvelverse podcast and their coverage of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and keep an eye out for the special episode of Deadpool, and special episode for Daredevil Season 2 coming out soon. But for now, we're going to roll our pre-recorded closing.
0: Get out our Across the Airwaves podcast network website. Acrosstheairwaves.com Again, that's acrosstheairwaves.com You can check out all of our podcast shows. Available as their own, individual programs. Get the iTunes Store. Get Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast shows on our network, we have the DC Nation podcast located at dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com Again, that's dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com which reviews popular DC comics related TV shows got movies. There's also the Marvelverse podcast located at marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairways.com Again, that's marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairways.com which reviews Marvel comics related TV shows got movies. Again, we also have Thronescast a podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones which is available at the website thronescast.acrosstheairways.com Again, that's com. In addition to these programs you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast Podcast, which is accessible at acrosstheairways.com, which reviews TV shows non-related to superheroes core Game of Thrones like The Walking Dead Doctor Who Star Wars Rebels Supernatural and more concluding sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory god The Muppets also you can listen to Across the Airways the DC Nation podcast Thronescast the Game of Thrones podcast and the Marvelverse podcast got the Mixed Radio Station code by Jack Stifles, Stitcher Radio or if you use Apple devices download the Podcast Box app God if you're on a Windows or Android device you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace. Got the Windows Marketplace. Got a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Guys, for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback. Got the TV show's re-review. Provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience. Or just want to say, do you like what we're doing? Email us at across the that's acrosstheairwaves.gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Got across the airwaves. There's no thought in there. It's just across their waves. Join our circle. Got Google+. Plus. Go leave us a voicemail by calling 773 773- Gate You Can get at seven seven three gate zero nine three three six. Also when sending us an email, please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Get the subject line. Give you are sending us listener feedback you want us to read. God the air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies, get television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic Con. it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our comic. Called special. All right, so once again, for our other ATA podcast hosts, Nikki Amy, Wu Kim, Steve Nastro, Joshua Mercray, Ken Michael J. Petty, God Dan Schmidt, and I'm Nico Rexteck And until our next episode, we'll catch you on the airways. See you guys, have a great weekend. We're going to go separate ways for now, but we'll go ways back together for our next episode. See ya.
1: Turn to our regularly scheduled program.